0: Hey beautiful people, this is Say It With Your Breast podcast, where we commune to listen to, learn with, and love on some of Louisiana's amazing female founders. We're all just navigating through business, relationships, and self-discovery. This is a no-judgment zone where everyone is empowered to speak up with conviction. As the Kevin Hart joke says, say it with your chest. Let's get into it. Today is
1: ours, let's live it, and love is strong. Let's give it. A song can help. Let's sing it. And peace is dear. Let's bring it. The past is gone. Don't rue it. Our work is here. Let's do it. The world is wrong. Let's right it. The battle is hard. Let's fight it. The road is rough, let's clear it. The future fast, don't fear it. Is faith asleep? Let's wake it. Because today is ours. Let's take it.
0: So, hey, everybody, welcome. This is another episode of Save With Your Breast podcast. I'm so excited about today's guest, Nicole Deggins. She is the founder and CEO of System Midwife Productions. And let me make sure I give her her full credit Nicole Deggins, CNM, MSN, and MPH. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so, Nicole. I'm going to dive into your bio. I want everybody to know how dynamic and outstanding you are. And then we're going to get into questions. Is that cool with you? Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. So, Nicole, I'm so excited to to present... Nicole's bio to you guys. You guys have no idea. All right. Nicole Daggins is one of the country's leading birth advocacy experts named the midwife shifting the narrative by Essence magazine. She is a sought after trainer, public speaker and community educator working to eliminate perinatal disparities and bring transparency to prenatal education and the medical. Don't judge me. Make sure I say this right obstetrical, obstetrical, obstetrical. There you go. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Got it. Nicole provides education, training, and consultations for communities, birth workers, and organizations that work with childbearing families. She's a dedicated leader, mentor, and consultant, and actively supports efforts to increase the numbers of African-American midwives, doulas, and birth advocates. That's a big deal, you guys. With over two decades of experience working inside the medical, obstetrical, Oh nope, I say that again. With over two decades of experience working inside the medical obstetrical. I'm going to get that word. With over two decades of experience working inside the medical obstetrical system, Nicole's views and style of training are radically different, and we're going to get into that. Her combination of real-life experiences combined with her vivid storytelling, her willingness to share insider secrets, and her unprecedented passion allow her to connect with her students and her speaker audiences in a full and unique way. And I can tell y'all that is the truth. She is dynamic. Nicole (laughs) uses a powerful delivery style to inspire individuals toward a paradigm shift about birth and birth justice. She believes that birth is the revolution, and we and if we collectively begin to change how we birth and how we support each other during childbearing, we can literally heal ourselves and our communities. Nicole is mm-hmm. the creator of the sister, Midwife Birth Sister Training, the Louisiana Healthy Birth Ambassador Training Initiative, and the largest online black midwife and doula directory. In addition to her training and community work, Nicole is a founding member of the Louisiana Doula Registry Board and has spent time as a member of the Louisiana Pregnancy Associated Mortality Review Committee, the Louisiana Healthy Moms, Healthy Babies Council, and as a faculty member of the Louisiana Perinatal Quality
1: Collaborative. Welcome, Nicole. Oh my God! Thank you so much. You know when you write a bio, you writing it, and then when you hear it read back, you're like, "Oh my God, that's a lot. Why did I? Why did I say all that?" No, you. You've done all that. Hello, you. Have- Oh
0: yes. Uh, so on top of being a mother, like you are killing it. And I, I am just, you have no idea how honored I am to have you. I have so many questions and I have. I know our listeners are going to really take so much from this. So let's dive into it before we get into questions about all of your experience and sister midwife birth sister training. Let's just f- learn you. How are you today? Where
1: are you from? I am doing very well, thank you. And I hail from the great city of New Orleans, Louisiana. (laughs) You know, like I tell people from outside of the state, you're from Louisiana. No, ma'am, I'm from New Orleans. There's a difference, right? (laughs) Listen, I had this conversation yesterday. um,
0: Oh my God, I forgot who this conversation was with, but I had this conversation yesterday and we were talking about traveling the world and oh, it was with um, a closing attorney and he was like, yeah, when I travel, I always tell people that I'm from New Orleans. I don't say the United States. I don't say Louisiana. I say I am from New Orleans. And sometimes yep. I have to say Mardi Gras for them to understand. <laughs> what <laughs> I mean. But yes. So do you feel like growing up in New Orleans really played a huge role in the journey you decided to take in your career?
1: Mm, you know, I don't know if New Orleans directly um played a big journey played a big part in my journey in my career I would just say like my mom played a big played a big part and then my grandmothers played a big part but mm-hmm. I can't say that there is anything in particular about New Orleans that seeded mm-hmm. um who I am now as as sister Midwife Productions except for the one thing I can say is my first job as a registered nurse was at University hospital right when they left charity doing OB and moved into University Hospital and working in that hospital system and watching how uh, the young women were treated who looked, who were literally my age, who looked like me. I was 21 years old, you know, and so they were my, they were me. And so in that sense, it was like, why are y'all treating these New Orleans girls like this? Hold up. You know, it, that certainly inspired me to want to go back to school and do something bigger. But the original growing up, I don't think necessarily um, shifted me in any kind of way or seeded me in particular in a particular way to do what I do now. Gotcha. And so how did
0: mom and um, you know, play a bigger that role? Like what, what were they well,
1: <clears throat> in- Yeah, well my mom was a nurse practitioner. Um, she had been a nurse since I, I think she went to nursing school when I was nine or eight and graduated around when I was nine. And so healthcare just always was a natural thing for me. You know, they always say apple doesn't fall too far and whether we want to agree with it or not very, you know, a lawyer's children are lawyers and a banker's children are bankers. It just (laughs) kind of happens in that way. And so my mother was a nurse. She was a nurse practitioner. And I knew that I always wanted to be in a helping healing, healing healthcare type of profession. Um, aside from that, both of my grandmothers, one here in New Orleans and the other in Baton Rouge were entrepreneurs. They, my my grandmother here in New Orleans, she was the candy lady. She sold uh-huh. Hucklebucks. She sold uh, Militon alfalfa bags, in the back, She sold pecan candy. She, you know, she was that person. And so it was always like, okay, mommy gonna get her money. Like, right. So I always admired that. And then my granny who was in um, Baton Rouge, she owned a ballroom. And she was always the hustler or she owned land, she owned animals, she owned apartment buildings. So in my mind, I always knew that there was a place for me to be mm-hmm. a owner of things, including a business. And there was always a path for me to decide how and where and why and how I was going to make my money. That's amazing. And the fact that you said
0: ownership really stands out to me because that really is the difference between, I think, the education system and life. You learn so much from observation and seeing things and experiencing it versus just being told or saying, hey, take this aptitude test and it'll determine your future, what you should do. It's like, no, I'm inspired by what I see. I have certain strengths and I'm going to, to meld those things together. So what? What were some of the strengths that you had in terms of caring for others? Like, was that that were those characteristics that you've always had, just being a very empathetic person, caring because the work that you do really requires someone who truly cares because that's hard work to do
1: for the time you've done it, you know? Yeah, I I think that it has always been in my nature to care and have concern and things for the quote underdog, for the person who needs help. I've always been a listening ear, whether that was a friend in college, a friend in high school, whether that was a little cousin, a a sister friend or whatever. I've always been a person who wanted to listen Mm-hmm. And, and, and hold space for people. So that has always been um a part of my journey. Even as a as a little girl, I, I held space for people who were having who wanted to talk about their daddy or their mama or whatever. Um yeah. and that ha- carried itself with me for free for until now even. Yeah. Right.
0: That's amazing. So I wanna I wanna share a little bit more that's in your bio. Um, and then we can get into some more about Sister Midwife Productions too. Um but I want to share this with everyone everyone about Nicole. So prior to starting her work with System Midwife Productions, Nicole received her BS in nursing from Georgetown University and completed a dual degree program at Emory U- University where she fulfilled the requirements for the MS in nursing with a concentration in midwifery and an MPH with a concentration in health policy and management. During her her clinical career, Nicole practiced as a midwife in Washington, DC, Mississippi, and Louisiana and has worked as a labor and delivery postpartum and well-baby newborn nurse in numerous public and private settings throughout the country. During those times, Nicole, just being in school, traveling, being a midwife, um, was that hard on you at the time, you know, managing school and, and the work? Or was it something that just kind of came natural and you f- it flowed? And I'm curious, when you were traveling, like how, how did that um, kind of, what impressions did you get traveling the world, meeting all these mothers and families?
1: Yeah, so first, um, I'll just touch on like working and being in school and all that at the same time So I was not doing travel nursing or any of that kind of stuff while I was in school So like when I went to Georgetown, um, I definitely had to work Mm -hmm. I remember catching the bus to the subway to literally the best paying job that I found was paying $10 an hour It took me an hour to get there and best believe from new orleans dear to think about ten dollars an hour in 19 like 93 wow. what i was getting paid so i would catch that bus all the way to a hospital <laughs> in maryland to work as a nursing assistant um so i did that and that was just it was part for the course what you gonna do yeah. right my mama was not self-made millionaire we had to i had to work if i wanted to get new shoes or go to the party or hang out with friends in certain capacity i had to work so i worked while i was in school and Most of my friends who were in college also worked or had a part-time job. So that was just what it was. Uh Um, after that, I did come home and worked just regular working. And it was after I finished midwifery school
0: mm-hmm.
1: that I decided to be, to do travel nursing. Mid- what, midwifery at that time in early 2000 was a really, or like 1999, I graduated from midwifery school. Mm-hmm. I went to my first job in DC. That job ended after a year and a little bit. And then my next job was in Mississippi. And that job also ended after about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So in that time frame, I was like... Like, this midwifery stuff is hard. Finding a mm-hmm. midwife job is hard. There are not a lot of black midwives. I didn't have mentorship. I didn't have support. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not doing that anymore. Let me just go back to being a regular nurse and doing labor and delivery. And really, it's funny that you asked me about those experiences because that's really what got me to system midwife productions. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because when I was traveling, all over the country, I'm scratching my head, like, wait a minute. I thought y'all said birth was beautiful in California. I thought y'all said birth was great in New York. I thought y'all said in other parts of the country, birth wasn't the same way that it is in Louisiana and in Mississippi, but I found that birth was bad for families everywhere. People were not being listened to. They weren't being heard. They weren't being supported. Uh, Women who had drug addictions or homelessness were not being supported no matter where, like the social systems of our country, the fabric of our country, it's really the same everywhere. So certainly Mm -hmm. in different parts of the country, there were different pockets of hope and beauty that were missing in Louisiana and Mississippi at that time. But be very clear, birth was bad nationwide. And that's when I really got inspired to want to do something different and to start my business to really begin shifting the narrative around birth. Wow. So tell us
0: about that. What did you, how did you start Sister Midwife Productions? Like were you, you were in that state of frustration with the the system and how it was working and not working and the disparities there, you know, what was your first step? Like when you birthed this idea was it the name was it the concept was it the people who were going to help or were you like nope I'm going to do this solo kind of give us
1: some yeah (laughs) yeah So the first step was me on the phone with a friend and I'm just complaining. I'm like, this is horrible. I don't understand why it sucks everywhere. Yeah. And she was like, you know what, Nicole, you should start a blog. And I was like, a blog? What's a blog that tells you how long ago this was, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, a blog? What's a blog? And so I dug in and I was like, that's like a good idea. I'm a good writer. I'll start a blog. So I did. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it was not System at Wife Productions. I had a different name and I was blogging and I was gaining a following and my plan was to really start providing videos and conference calls and different books and different things that people could download and purchase that would really give them insights into how to really prepare for the hospital. Because what I would always say is I'm like, y'all, even women who were educated. Even if they took childbirth education, learned about stuff, read books, wanted a natural birth, once they got into that hospital, hoodwinked and bamboozled. And I was like, this is not okay, and I'm going to help change it. And so so that was the first path, right? Mm -hmm. And then along the way, after just a year and a half, maybe two years of doing that, um, I received a cease and desist letter from an organization whose name was similar to the title of my blog. Mm And at that time, I was not making any money. And so it was like, okay, I'm not about to fight an international or it was like a big international organization, right? Like, I'm not about to fight y'all over this pettiness. Y'all are crazy. It's not the same. We're not doing the same thing. There is no confusion. But if y'all want it, y'all can have it. And the other piece was at that time, I was actually getting lost in the sauce. I was moving too fast, trying to do too much. I was beginning to feel overwhelmed. And I was like, I'm not sure exactly what the next step should be. So Great. They made me pause and hit the reset button. One of the most important things that came out of that was at that time the largest following that I had of my blog were educated white women who were already everything I said. They were like, "Hallelujah, do do, girl, yeah, talking right." Like they were in agreement with me, and I'm like, "You're not even my audience." I appreciate the followers, but this is not really what my soul wants to be doing. And so um, I was able to shift and to rebirth the idea and the vision for the work. And Sister Midwife Productions, as the name of my business, really was just a download. I was literally in the office talking with, um, I think an SBA person, you know, they have these small business, um, organizations in in different little offices that will help you as you're learning about business and getting started. And she was like, well, what's the name of your business? And I was like, I'm not really sure. And literally it was like download system and wife productions. Right. And, um, I just went with it. (laughs) I just went with it. It was great. I love when that happens. It's a download.
0: Yep done beautiful download right so you started you got so you you had the name did you know immediately what you were going to do in terms of the different layers, because you're not just doing consulting with professionals, but you're speaking and, and, you know, are these all different things like consulting with community organizations? Did you know immediately that you wanted to go to the
1: organizations or did you start off like family to family? Like directly? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where I am now is not at all where I started. Right. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I was going to be a business that catered to, I was like a virtual virtual midwife. I am your virtual midwife. You're pregnant. You have questions. Let me teach you one-on-one how to navigate this system. Download my podcast, not my podcast, but like download my recording. Listen (laughs) to my call that I'm doing next week. Learn the language that you need for you and your husband, you and your partner to walk into the hospital and have a better birth. Don't worry about that birth plan, girl. I got you. Let me tell you exactly what to say. So that was the original Thought I was going to work directly with families doing childbirth education, virtual stuff. And what I started finding was that whenever I would do my free calls, because I hadn't started making money yet, but whenever I would do my free calls, the people who signed up for my calls were like 90 times 90% birth workers, they were already doulas. And I was like, okay that's something to pay attention to. Um, And so that's how I began to realize that I needed to shift a little bit who my target market was. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just because of my connection and my desire to do grassroots community work, um, I was working in New Orleans, doing some volunteer work or doing some organizing around birth advocacy. And there was a lot of desire to teach families about the benefits of doulas and what a doula was and to encourage families to use doulas, which we can get into that in a second Mm -hmm. about what a doula is. But then what I realized was we were having these ideas and these meetings and laying out this plan to educate the community about doulas, but we really didn't have doulas in the city you could literally count the number of doulas on your hands. And so it was like, okay, our plan is not going to (laughs) work because we don't have the people out here in these streets. And so through that, I began the process of becoming a doula trainer. And when I say I began the process, it's not like it was a formal process. I have been a nurse for 20 years. This is what I know. This is what I do. I'm about to drop this curriculum on y'all, and I'm about to bring you the information. Right. Right. So it was like nobody ordained me a doula trainer, right? I wrote my curriculum and I put it in the streets and it has done well. And so from there, it's like, okay, now you're training doulas. What else needs to happen? Who else needs to be educated, right? So the community needs to be educated. So I started engaging with the community in different ways, doing various different events that I would hold. I like to call it edutainment where we're having a little fun, but we're also learning about a very important issue. Um, And then from there, really, the consultation piece came naturally because like at this point, Testament wife productions, we're on 11 years, 10 and a half years. And there are not that many organizations and individuals who have been in the black maternal health space. As long as I have, particularly in Louisiana, right. like there's just a couple, like we all see each other and know each other right. because it's just us. Right. So if you're now now black maternal health is on the national radar. Now black maternal health is on everybody's radar. So now you want to talk to somebody. So who are you going to talk to? You're going to look to see who's already having the conversation. Well, I've been having the conversation for over ten years, you know, publicly, and so um naturally, that just fell into um you know, it was just a logical prog- progression.
0: And so was that when you decided to monetize when
1: you had your curriculum in place? yeah, that's that was the first, yeah. Yeah, it was because interestingly enough, um, I was attempting to monetize before, but I was doing the one-on-one private pregnancy coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was going to be your, your virtual midwife. I had had a couple of paying clients, but very few, maybe like probably three or four total. Um, and so I was waiting for that to take off, but then it was like, okay. And I started the directory in 2012. It was free. It was a total labor of love. So I wasn't making any money with that. And it was was in 2013, when I started doing my doula trainings, that's amazing. And that was like, oh no, y'all, y'all, y- y- you 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 got to pay for this part.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> it's basically, continuing education. I mean, you pay for continuing education
1: in any career path, so right. And beyond that, it's actually your it is your foundational education for most of the people who have spoke who have come through my my training. Really, it's their foundation. Like they're not doulas; they want to be a doula, they Uh, want to uh, be a birth work, and they come to me, and I give them my training, and and now they have a career.
0: And so tell me this with your curriculum, have you certified it? Have you thought about like making that a, 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 I mean, can we get it on Amazon? Like, is is it like I'm, I'm trying to get you on, like.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's people, it's so interesting because the birth world and how the birth industry works is really different right now. We really are still in the infancy stage of what this thing is going to look like in 10 years and 20 years, right? Okay. So, first, just so your listening audience is very clear, um, people often get confused between what is a doula and what is a midwife. Okay. And like, aren't they the same thing? No, they are not. So as a midwife, you have two, four, six years of clinical training. You are a medical provider. You can diagnose people. You can prescribe medications. It doesn't matter whether you're a home birth midwife, hospital midwife, birth center midwife. You are skilled at monitoring the health and well-being of that mother and that baby. And you are responsible for making sure that every Everybody comes out on the other side, safe, happy, and whole, right? So you're checking blood pressures, you're doing labs, you're, you're helping you literally catch the baby as the baby comes out. You wow. do not do high risk generally, okay. but you do, and most women are not high risk. I mean, 80% are a completely low risk. Another 10% have a little minor something. It's very few women who are really significantly high risk. We hear about all of those horror stories, but Most women are not high risk, right? So that's your midwife. Your doula is a non-medical, non-clinical person who is trained or untrained to support you mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and literally physically. Like maybe they'll rub your feet, rub your hips, give you what's called the hip squeeze, counter pressure, pressure points, right? They bring you food. They hear you through your pregnancy. They listen to you. They help you learn how to advocate for yourself, but they are non-medical and they are also unregulated. Uh, Midwives are licensed and regulated differently from state to state, but they are licensed and regulated in every state. Doulas are unlicensed, unregulated individuals who took a class. Or not. Or not. Right? Mm-hmm. If you have five babies, I bet you know what to do to help somebody have one. I bet you you know what this person needs when they're in labor and they're feeling uncomfortable because you have that experience, right? So that's just like the foundation of that so for me there is a thing called quote a certified doula Right. (laughs) And usually what happens is you take a class, your class will be anywhere from 16 hours to 40 hours. And after that class, you read some books, you write a book report, you go to a herbal class, you take a CPR class. um, Maybe you do a few births, you turn in paperwork to your training organization and then your organization says, oh, my God, congratulations. Now you're certified. Uh I have a process like that in place. It wasn't until very, very recently. Uh as they're beginning to have more conversations around regulations and reimbursement for doulas that people are now seeking certification. Up until now, nobody wants to be certified because it didn't make a difference. It doesn't matter. Right. And it still mostly doesn't matter. But in five years and 10 years and 15 years, it's slowly shifting. Right. And that's a
0: beautiful thing that you are... um, The face, the voice, the energy behind this, in my opinion, for New Orleans and for Louisiana and for really the United States, because black women don't have this representation um, most times in this education. And we're, I have a friend who's in that process of, um, you know, just her birth journey and, and, and her, her uh, I guess, pregnancy or trying to get pregnant or that whole perinatal experience, right? And just trying to figure out, like, who, who should be my team? You know, she's had some um, unproductive and really uncomfortable interactions with some of the people who were on her team. And she's like, I just, this doesn't feel right. And I got to trust my gut, but I, they're supposed to be, Mm. Mm -hmm. want to trust them. Is this common?
1: Is this just, um, I don't know. Is this common? It's, it's unfortunately very common. And what I try to help people see um, is it's, there's two things. There people will say stuff like, well, if you don't like this kind of work, you should get another job. Sure. But they're just like there are horrible teachers, just like mm-hmm. there are horrible tax accountants, just like there are horrible real estate agents, people get into professions and then sometimes it's not an alignment for them. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they just really suck. Yeah. Maybe they are just a bad that person, but all of those things are real. For every profession, including being a midwife or an obstetrician. And so a lot of times people make the assumption, well, you're a doctor, you're a midwife, you're you're supposed to love your job. I do sometimes. Right. And sometimes I don't just like any other job. Right. Right. So that's one thing. But this is the one of the primary reasons why I started the Black Midwives and Doulas Directory, Mm -hmm. because people we know, the research tells us that if you are a Black patient, And this is beyond perinatal, right? This isn't anything. If you are a Black patient, you're going to have a better experience, statistically a better experience and a better outcome when you have a Black provider. Mm -hmm. So it was important to me that I not only help train more Black providers, but I also help connect Families to those Black providers, not just the ones I train, but in general. So like for your friend, hey, tell her to visit Directory.com. Right. Search by state first and then narrow down by city if you need to. Find you somebody to talk to who does look like you, who you feel like is in more alignment with some of your values. You know, uh, <laughs> we are also not a monolithic people. So certainly not everybody on the directory is going to fit everybody. But right. it is certainly a step in the right direction. Right, I love that. So, uh, one of the things that stood out um, in
0: your bio too was the fact that, and you, and it's in here about um, the, the 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 delivery style that you use to inspire people, um, and to, and like, and, and specifically this right here, I love this sentence. To inspire individuals toward a paradigm shift about birth and birth justice, it's the mm. birth justice that kind of gives me chills. What is that to you? What is birth just birth justice to you? And how are we how are we going to get um, through that to to move faster toward that paradigm shift?
1: Yeah. So for me, when I think about birth advocacy and birth justice, it is just the right to be pregnant and to have your baby in the way that you desire. It is the right to be able to stand up and say, no, I don't want you in my room. I want that person in my room. It is the ability to ask for just care, Mm. something that is just, that is good, that is righteous. You know what I mean? Because Right. right now, as your friend has experienced, there are lots of places where people are receiving injustice in the delivery room. And I'm like, this is supposed to be a joyful experience. <laughs> you are doing God's work, the work of the creator. You are walking alongside of God as you bring forth light. And all of a sudden you're being abused, disrespected, talked bad to down to ignored. Mm, uh-uh. Right. So justice is like righteous, I want righteous care. I want righteous people helping me through this journey so that the story you just shared about your friend is not the norm, but it's really non-existent. But unfortunately, right now, it's almost the norm right so
0: how does that how does that start to change is the, and i know that your directory um the consultations the events just educating mothers that they even have this option to have someone um with them to ad- help them advocate when they're really so vulnerable and mm-hmm. really you know you're like you want to say something but should you say something so the fact that we even know that these um, these resources are becoming more, um, I guess, norm and more accepted. And like you said, moving toward um, spaces where they can be paid for so that mothers don't feel like it's a burden or anything like that. Is that a way that we move towards the paradigm shifts? Like you said, working with the hospitals and working with the
1: community centers. Do you see the-, the tra- I mean, quite honestly, I'm going to tell you what, this is where I'm different. Mm-hmm. I Believe that the paradigm shifts when we really just get into the community, and communities then take control over birth. Right. So, number one, we start having more midwives, and we have we start having more people saying, "Let me consider home birth." Mm. I get it. Everybody's not ready for home birth. I understand that, but just consider it. Uh huh. Begin consider there before nineteen fifty. We was birthing at home. We've only been birthing in hospitals. And New Orleans is different. We had charity hospital. Like my grandmother was born in charity hospital. So it's a little bit different for us. But if we look at the birth experiences across the country, we've only been birthing in hospitals for 100 years. That's it. Just 100 years. That's (laughs) your grandmother. And that's all. Okay. Uh-oh. So we must realize that none of us would be here were it not for home birth. So that's a paradigm shift. Let's not worry even worry about connecting with these hospitals and trying to make them do what they don't want to do. Just consider it, uh-huh. right? That's one thing. Um, The other thing for me is when we are involved in the hospitals, when I talk about shifting the paradigm, it's really about connecting with the community. So helping people understand that nobody should go to a prenatal appointment alone. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you, even if you don't have a partner right so you're not married you're a single mom no problem bring your girlfriend your auntie your uncle your nana somebody don't go by yourself and then teaching community that that is important because the mother as you just mentioned she's vulnerable she's like should I say something I don't know what I can or should say but when you have another person who can say well wait a minute doc Ariel, is this what you do? You understand what the doctor is saying, right? Do you have that that other person who is not under the influence of pregnancy hormones? Because it's a legitimate thing. They make jokes about, quote, pregnancy brain. Mm-hmm. There's a legitimate biochemical changes that are happening in your brain intentionally, so that you can function and go through this process in a way that is going to be more holistically for your birth. So you're not not remembering. You're not connecting the dots. Your synapses are firing a little bit more slowly during pregnancy. That is normal. You're also going inward. You're also being more reserved very often. These things are normal. And so you're trying to figure out why did not speak up for myself? Why? Because you're in a vulnerable space. You're going through a transition. You're going through a ritual. So you Need a guide. Nobody goes through ritual alone, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, the paradigm shift is not even just let's get educated on the problem. No, how can we literally interact with the system completely differently? Mm-hmm. Nobody goes to their prenatal appointment by themselves, no matter what. Okay, right. I feel- that would be a, that would be deep. I wrote that down. I was like, do not go alone. <laughs>
0: So there are different little things like that. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. But no, that is so empowering because you have the information. Because a lot of times, if you don't know what's really happening and how it's like, even like you talked about the hormones, you don't really fully grasp some of the changes and why things are happening, then it's easy to blame yourself. It's easy to you know, sometimes fall into... moods that aren't healthy i just want to say depression you know it's easy to say yep. it's easy to um blame yourself and so i think it's important. and to just
1: accept whatever they're giving you yeah because you're okay. tired you're overwhelmed you're confused you're concerned legitimately for the health and well-being of you and your baby right you don't want to buck the system right it's the last thing. Get out of this alive, you know? <laughs> no, When as
0: a woman of color, you're already aware that the statistics show that your, experiences, your experience is not happening the same way as the white, white, white mother or whatever other mother yep. down the hall. So you're already yep. nervous and scared. And yep. you don't want, like you just said, you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to... It is you. So I think it's so important that people, if you are a mother out there, you want to be a mother. If you, I mean, my God, please check out her directory. Please check out her site. And we'll get into how you can find her more later. But it's so important to be educated because
1: I feel like that really is what empowers us all. Um, yeah. But I really want to get not just the pregnant woman, the grandmother, the auntie, the uncle, the parent, the, the nan, the I, boyfriend, I, the yeah. baby daddy, all them other people too.
0: Yes, because that's that's me. That's my next question is, in this process, where is everybody else? Do they come? Do they, you know, do they participate with the, the doula the whole time? Or does the, is it typically closer to the birth that, you know, families start to ask the doula, like, hey, can you come talk to us too? Because we don't know how to support her. What, what is the role of the friends and the family and the partner?
1: Yeah, so every doula is going to be a little bit different in how they approach and deal with the family. But generally exactly. speaking, doulas are not just for the pregnant mom. They're not just there for her. They're also there for her partner and for her mom and for her sister and for whoever is her support system. The doula is almost like the, let me think of of a, of a good analogy. I should have this good analogy. You know what? <laughs> there, it, it, it One of my friends, her husband. <laughs> He made the analogy of a boxing coach, like the, the the guy who's like on the side. Right. That's the doula. He's a man. Right. So he used <laughs> boxing. Right. And it's like that that person who's like squirting the water in your mouth, rubbing your face <laughs> down and telling you, you got this. Get back in there. You got this. Get back in there. And then your family is on the outside cheering you on. Sometimes your family might come right to the side of the ring. Right, and right. help within those things. The doula will teach the family how to support. A doula does not replace the partner. Sometimes people are fearful of that. Mm. Well, I, I don't need a doula because I have my mom, or I don't need a doula because I have my husband. No, you still, uh, your mama and your husband <laughs> need a doula. Right, <laughs> right, because we teach different skills, different information. When I teach my doulas how to help the family, I tell them like that husband, he got to get it together. He got to be ready. These are the questions that you want the husband to be able to recite. Mm -hmm. These are the things you, because if you have a mom in labor, she is not consciously aware of everything that's happening in the same kind of way that he can be or her mother or her friend or whoever is that other support person as the doula. You technically don't have any legal rights in the space. So sometimes doulas have to walk a fine line yeah. between saying something and not saying something. Oh, but that mama. Oh, but that husband. Oh, right. Oh, but the. you know what I mean? Like right. they can say, wait a minute, this is not. And it's a, it's received differently. Right. So it is imperative that we involve the family And any doula worth her weight understands that it is imperative. And it's important that the the the, the, the pregnant mom and her partner are on the same page, because if the doula is supporting the mom. Let's say that the mom wants a natural birth. It's also not just about natural birth, although I would like to just tell everybody, just consider it. It's the reason why birth happens, how it happens. Mm -hmm. It's the reason why it was designed the way and people are like, I can't take pain. You've never even been pregnant. You have no idea what this thing can be like. And certainly you have all of the stories. But in every story that I hear, I can always punch a hole in it because I've seen thousands and thousands and thousands of births. And I know why this went that way and that went that way. Mm -hmm. And I can give you. Well, maybe if she hadn't gotten induced at 39 weeks for no reason, it wouldn't have gone that way. Right. Like there are so many things I can point out at any rate. As we're walking this road with the family, the family plays just such a critical place in that whole process because there will be times when, let's say for an example, something's going awry and they're like, okay, now we want to start you on this medication. If the doula and the mom, or if the mom is saying, no, I don't want that, and the doula is going to support the mom, right? But if the father is saying, nah, babe, we should get it. Now there's the conflict. Now the physician sees a hole in the team. Now the physician sees a weakness. And the physician is gonna go hard to try to convince the family by way of the partner mm-hmm. to acquiesce to their wishes. But when you have a partner, a mama, two people on the same page with the pregnant woman, it's a different it's a different fortress. That's and that's the protection that yes. so many mothers.
0: Want, you know, they just want to be yeah. protected by all yep. of the around them. That is beautiful. Nicole, the work you do, my God, (laughs) I can't like (laughs) fathom how you take in all of these, these stories and these, I mean, you've done the direct service, you've done the trainings for professionals doing the direct service. Has there ever been a story that just stuck with you where you were like, man, we, you know, just something that just kind of either stuck with you in a good way or maybe not in a good way?
1: Um, how much time we have? <laughs> I'm just joking. I mean, definitely. There are a number of stories. There are stories that I can recount where I literally, literally watch this little girl one day. I watch her transform. No. I literally watched her become a different person as she gave birth. She had a natural birth. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a lot of sexual assault and trauma in her life. She literally, she came in the hospital, head hung down, no. despondent, meek, Could I mean, barely could look at you, couldn't make eye contact. And literally within 12 hours after she had that baby, she was like, what? Like, I was like, oh my, I literally watched it. I mean, and I'm saying literally so much because it was like her every, I could see she was a, literally a different person. It was phenomenal. I've also, unfortunately, as a nurse who had a job and who had bills to pay and wanted to not rock the boat too much, because to be very clear, I was the nurse who rocked the boat. I question orders. Oh. I argued with doctors. I didn't do stuff that I didn't think was appropriate. I would be like, I'm not doing that. That doesn't seem safe to me. You know what I mean? I would give right. a report When well, Nicole, Why didn't you give such and such? Because that's against logical policy. Like, right. I'm not, you know, like you would be amazed at some of the things that these physicians would ask you to do. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. Um, that said, there were some times when I did participate in madness, where I was the mm-hmm. part of the problem. And I have some very... Um, significant secondary trauma from mm. being a part of experiences that were not pleasant where I look back on it now. um, I think I've healed good portions of it but yeah. I can look back on it now and if I get into certain stories, I'll bust out crying again yeah. because I was the culprit. I was a part of the problem. A part of- You know, so both. You know, and
0: I think that's what has, you've turned that into such a gem. I mean- Coal under pressure you know what I mean like you've turned mm-hmm. to something so new and something revolutionary like you said it's a, revol- Earth is and- a revolution
1: okay come on and,
0: and <laughs> just like you saw this young lady transform this little girl transform like you're you've transformed the experiences of so many more clients you know when mm. your doulas come back to you do you feel like that man like we're really changing lives like do
1: you feel oh the, yes work oh that, my god like, the impact it is yes ma'am yeah. so two things happen for me um with my doula training number one i am not only about training people to serve but also healing people to serve right Ooh. so in my it's doula training healing people Sorry. people people spend time healing themselves. Right. Many of the women who get into birth work, they're getting into birth work because they have been damaged in their own personal birth, either directly or secondary trauma. They've experienced it. Right. And so they want to, they're like, uh-uh, nobody's going to ever experience what I experienced, but they've not ever healed from that. So during my training, I offer language, opportunity, motivation, information to help them transform their mindset around their own experiences and around birth in general so that they can serve better. And I know that that is working because I see the testimonials that come across my email about how the training changed their lives. Right. So I feel so blessed and so good and so excited about that. And then. I get constant confirmation when I do talk to some of my doulas that I've trained and they tell me about, girl, let me tell you about this birth. Let me tell you about that birth, right? (laughs) And they tell me these stories about people that they're helping, not just to have powerful births, Mm -hmm. but literally I got this client, she's getting discharged tomorrow. She's homeless. She don't have nowhere to go. So I'm on the phone for six hours finding a shelter for her to go to. So we're changing lives. Right. You understand? On a deeper, deeper level. Right. And that changes the life of that child. Exactly. And that changes generations. Exactly. It's about generational. Yep. Generational healing. It's important. That is so powerful.
0: How do you take care of you? I mean, you talked about a little bit of, you know, the ups and the downs, but, overall ups you know how do you take care of you do you have a, a meditation or a mantra that you you tell yourself or um, yeah
1: so I have a you know I, I do a number of different things not as consistently as um, I should but I love a good healing bath mm-hmm. I am definitively somebody who uses affirmations, mantras and speaking things out loud. Mm -hmm. I have an affirmation playlist that's about 45 minutes that I listen to at least five times a week. Um, and each song was chosen very specifically. And depending on how I'm feeling in that day, I will start at the beginning and let it run all the way through. Or I might start in the middle, depending on what kind of energy or you know what I mean? I might right. just listen to pieces of it. But I definitively touch that playlist at least five times a week. Um, I just really got back connected to my hot 26. Ooh, <laughs> That's and I'm six. so happy. Um, hot yoga. And, you know, like I am a traditionalist in it where I really like the original 26 postures with the dialogue that was taught the way Bikram taught it. Unfortunately, he has tainted the, his name and tainted the industry because he's an idiot and a jerk and a rapist and all sorts of other things. And so now like people call it hot 26. Right. But, um, It is a powerful, powerful form of yoga. It has healed me and I am so happy. I just very, very recently reconnected and I already, after just a few times going, I'm like, yes, I'm so happy to be, you know, since COVID really, yeah, I hadn't been able to get back in there and it feels so good um, to be back at doing that. And I try to play with my daughter a little bit. I'm trying to, I don't enough. I take vacations. I take real time off. Yes. Um, I, I go away. <laughs> I use my autoresponder. I don't know how many entrepreneurs do you have that listen to your podcast, but I'm gonna use an autoresponder. I told somebody the other day, even if I'm not going out of town, if I open up my email and all of a sudden I feel overwhelmed because I have like so many emails. I'm throwing on an autoresponder. Yeah. You know? Right. Just to be like, I'm away from my desk. It's gonna take me a little bit long you know, just to right. give me a little ease. Yeah, yeah. And I no longer apologize. I say no a lot more than I mm-hmm. ever did ever. And that feels Amazing. beautiful.
0: <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I know, yes. I preach the power of saying no to people all the time, especially my mother. She is such a culprit. And I'm like, mom, it's okay. It is true right. to say no or say, look, I can't do it right now. You know, I'll follow up
1: later. Like give yourself yeah. some breathing room, Lord. <laughs> and then I tell people too, I give them permission to follow up with me because this is your thing. That's true. You want okay. me to do something, so if you want it, and I'm and I'm, I don't have the capacity to do it right now, but I am interested. Reach back out to me in about a month. I'll tell people that. And when they're serious about working with me, they reach back out in the month. And if they don't reach back out in the month, that's good too. Right. It is what and it is. And I also have let that kind of stuff go. This notion of. I gotta get it. Gotta get it. Gotta get it. Mm-hmm. It's my one time. What if? They, what if they don't call me back, girl? Something else is coming. The over you know? grind.
0: It's like it's one thing to you know have your grind, and I I respect it. I myself am that person. I think it's that over grind where you're you start to run yourself to the ground, and that's that's yes. where we cross the line into your health, and now yep. we, we got to run it back.
1: <laughs> yep, we got to run it back. So before, run we, it.
0: before we close out, I mean, you shared so much. And I know people are feeling like the energy of, wow, I need to go educate myself. I want to educate all the, the mothers or potential mothers that I know about the options out there. But before we wrap it up, what is what is next for Sister Wife Productions? What's what's new? What's going on? What's next? Man, I can't even
1: tell you all the stuff. It's (laughs) super exciting. Okay, I have some beautiful things coming into works. I'm actually in the process of rebuilding my um my team, and I'm looking forward to all of the things that are gonna come. But you know, we're gonna really be launching, being able to launch our swag and our products that we've that have been sitting in the back burner for a while. Um, we're going to continue training doulas. Ultimately, I'll be offering retreats, um, not just for doulas, but for any Black woman who is doing helping healing work. So social workers, nurses, counselors, you know, we we give a lot. We give and give and give and give and give. And we've got to find ways to replenish and retreat. And so um, I'll be offering some retreats and expanding the directory so it can be more robust and more user friendly to everybody who wants to be either listed or wants to use it. Um, that's just the beginning, girl. We, I have a, na- a statewide program, the Healthy Birth Louisiana Initiative. Um, I'm really looking forward to continuing to grow that and to even taking it um, nationwide as well. So there's a lot. I'm excited.
0: Uh, I'm excited for you because I know it's amazing. I know it's going to be even more amazing. I'm excited about these products. You know, I love products around here. So. <laughs>
1: Well, they're going to be mostly products for like birth workers, like my t-shirt line and journals and workbooks and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) You can get a t-shirt though. You can get you a t-shirt. I'm
0: truly excited for you. Um, I'm excited for Sister Wife Productions. I'm excited um, for mothers out there and families out there and and being, um, you know, the fact that you're just, like we talked about, a part of the generational change and that paradigm shift, it really does change the landscape of how the, the foundation of a family gets started like that's important Mm -hmm. that's so important yeah um so how can people find you and if they're interested in becoming a doula where like where, where do they need to go
1: Yep, so the easiest thing to do is follow us on Instagram at System Midwife S-I-S-T-A, midwife, M-I-D-W-I-F-E. That's like the easiest thing. We are systemmidwife.com with System Midwife on Facebook. Even though I, I don't really engage on Facebook, but if you're on, if Facebook is your thing, I do have a page there. Um, and then you can contact us at training at systemmidwife.com if you want to train with us or contact us at systemmidwife.com if you want to just um, get in touch and, and and see how we maybe can collaborate on working towards a more beautiful and better world for birthing for particularly for black families. And of course, if you're looking for a provider, um, system midwife dot com is where you would go there. Perfect. And I will definitely share all of the links um,
0: because it's just again, it's just game changing what you're doing. I'm so like honored
1: that you took the time to share your stories with us. Definitely. Oh, it was exciting. It was a great conversation with you. Thank you.
0: I'm glad and I'm glad you enjoyed.